Um, good morning. Another week, another week. Hey, Adil. Hey. Hi, boy. How are you? <laughs> really good. I am... Uh, <laughs> I am trotting all over the continent this morning. Um, Hadil and I are connecting. I'm in Johannesburg and she is in Egypt. How's Egypt this morning? It's lovely. It's quite chilly. Yeah. It's quite chill. Yeah. To be on the opposite side of the continent. Um, this is how big we, this is, this is how diverse we are. Okay. Well, to get started, um, my name is Bui Mafoko. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, a luxury consultant, as well as a speaker, setting out to really contribute to Africa's luxury growth. Um, Africa on Luxury as a platform is a luxury education um, conv and uh, driving conversation and chronicling the story of Africa. And we draw context and connection to the tastemakers thereof. And I've got one in the room today, in the virtual room, that is. Um, with this podcast, we embark on a series of culturally rich conversations seeking to explore, inform, and create a unique definition and discovery of African luxury. On each episode, um, I get the pleasure of bringing guests in from whom we can draw context, um, really going on this beautiful journey of discovering the richness of the continent to chronicle the story of African luxury through the perspective of art and the artists contributing to various sectors. And this morning, um, I have Hadil Osman, um, a conversation that I've really been looking forward to because we connected so beautifully when we had our initial chat. And um, we're speaking about decoding sustainability for African fashion brands. And I mean, sustainability is loaded. And I really hope that we can unpack it this morning because mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's, it has different meanings, I suppose. And it also is very quickly and easily <laughs> lost to certain people. But the responsibility mm -hmm. and the journey that we really go on here on this podcast is to bring our audiences closer to understanding um, and I am very keen myself because I cannot claim to know sustainability. I know aspects of it. I've been introduced to nuances of it. I, I'd like to believe I live my life um, to some degree in a, in a conscious aspect, not fully, I'm a state. And I don't know actually, and we can get into this as we, as we chat, whether one can fully uh, live a sustainable life, right? But to formally introduce you, because I don't want to take this away, and I want my guests to fully be immersed in this discussion. Um, Hadil Osman is an award-winning Sudanese creative director and sustainable fashion consultant. She's also the founder of a multidisciplinary creative studio called Dava Studio. She's a multi-hyphenate professional, um, which um, some of her roles or her, the hats that she wears include creative direction, visual communications, um, sustainable fashion research, which is really where we'll spend time this morning. She also styles, directs, consults, and trains. And uh, I mean, how old are you? <laughs> um, I'm 32. <laughs> I know, right? We, it's all possible. She's worked yeah. um, in multiple markets, such as Asia, North America, and Africa, from which she hails the beautiful Sudan, um, Hadil's work seeks to actively reshape the world's view of African fashion and collaboration across the region. She's also an advocate for less consumption of fast fashion and um, fashion waste among African consumers, driving this change and development across the continent. 
and and I hope to really land a lot of this um, and to have my audiences experience a lot of this by the end of this conversation. And you will. I'm confident of that. She um, uh, is currently actively researching the continental um, for the continent secondhand and resale fashion, which are also aspects of um, sustainability. Some highlights: <laughs> bars, bars on bars. She is. She was named the Forbes, um, part of the Forbes Africa 30 under 30 list in 2020. She's been named one of the 100 most influential young Africans, as well as on the list of the women fighting fast fashion, both in 20 and 2021, respectively. And she also holds the UIU Emerging Alumni Award in 2021. What does UIU stand for? It's uh, Upper Iowa University. It's my uh, alma mater. Ah, I'm with you. Okay, jumping straight into it. Um, I I would like to, it's really an invitation, and I think I'm inviting myself to this conversation because you are the expert here. Um, and I'm going to act and represent my audiences as much as possible in really decoding some of what sustainability as a universe is. I don't believe we'll get through all of it, but but keen to explore. And I think we'll have a lot more insight by the end of this conversation. So to get us started, um, sustainability has always existed. And this is my personal view. I'm presenting this as a hypothesis and I want us to delve into it with the conversation. In my view, sustainability has always existed in Africa by virtue of how um, we've always lived a well-considered life. I mean, dating back to our ancestors, and I think you and I touched on this when we met, um, we've always mm. lived a very conscious and communal life. Um, is sustainability, I mean, what is sustainability? Let's start there. So uh, I always say that sustainability is an umbrella term that we need to like break down according to how you view it mm -hmm. and your real life experience. But sustainability in, in from the African context, or at least the, the the definition that I like to go with, is that it is being resourceful, using what you have, and returning uh, goodness back to the earth. So not you're bad. not really, um, yeah, you're not uh, you're not harming the earth. You're not harming the people around you. You're making use of what you have, and you're making it last for as long as possible. And um, I also always say that it is. Uh, deeply rooted within our um, our our cultures, our our system, our just Africanness. Uh, sustainability is completely natural to us, um, and uh, that gets lost, of course, with uh, the modern interpretation of what it is, with capitalism getting a hold of it and trying to change what yeah. it means. But essentially, um, it's about living a good life, giving back, and just it's it's just all around goodness. Um, and a lot of people forget what that means because of you know how it's being portrayed but within sustainability in fashion especially there's many other terms there's slow fashion there's circular fashion right. um and uh there's ethical fashion there's eco so there's many like that's why it's an umbrella term but essentially it's just about being good to the planet being good to people and um giving back um i mean thank you for that and i do want to take a step back because i think there's so much that you've teased there that I want I don't want us to miss um I mean I've introduced you I've given you I've introduced you based on 
your bio, which is a very professional and well-written um, dossier, yeah. if I may. But 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 yeah. I'd like you to really introduce ourselves to us because I think you've got such a beautiful um, background and and history and your culture that really would be a great basis for um, understanding in terms of how this has even shaped you getting into the sustainable work. So uh, yeah, uh, who who is Hadil? Um, all of it, the beautiful the beautiful aspect of it. Um, so essentially, I'm a third culture kid. I always start with this. Um, I was born and raised in many different places, but at the end of it, I'm a Pan-African at heart. I'm Sudanese. And uh, I I really, I, I like to look at things from a career aside, whatever I do, I like to be as good as possible, whether it's the people that I'm working with, people that I'm dealing with on a daily basis, to our planet. A bit of a tree hugger, essentially. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I, I like to embrace the aspects of like unity and, and community and peace and not just see them as, you know, just like terms to throw around, but as trying to live them and trying to be uh, the best version of myself as I can and also to help people in that journey. It's not easy um, when you're also like constantly dealing with, you know, the day to day, you know, with the with the pessimistic reality of the world, it's quite challenging. But um, yeah, essentially, I'm someone who really loves what we have. And I try to embrace um, whatever positivity that there is out there. And I try to also bring it out of people. I try to encourage people. Um, and yeah, I, I see myself doing that a lot in, in my work because I deal with arts, with culture, with fashion, with people. And yeah. I think people need uh, spaces. And if you can provide that just by your own self not even as a platform then uh, you can definitely make change so as long as I can help people find their purpose and find themselves and and to do better for the overall community in a very individualistic world then um, that's that's optimally who I am I love that because community is so central and many many systems or models have really been deliberate in breaking that community down, particularly amongst us as Africans. So yeah. I really love that. Um, I'm going to be a little bit provoking today, um, just today, today, and to stretch the conversation on sustainability within the African context, because, um, you know, in your view, is sustainability, is it possible that sustainability is Africa re, re, Africa's recolonization? And as I was preparing for this conversation, I thought, well, I mean, it's one of the things that were native to us and were carried off again and then is being packaged and being sold back to us. I mean, where, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a principle that is very native to us as Africans, as we've already mentioned, that it's been, it's been taken abroad and commercialized, so to speak, and brought back as something that we should buy, as something that we should adopt, as something that we should shape our lives to become. What is your view um, on on the global perspective or the global definition of sustainability, but as it pertains to Africa um, and how it's being sold back to us? Sure. So um, I think that as Africans generally, we we live as a very sustainable life and we, we buy or we utilize sustainable products without even knowing what sustainability is because it's so natural to us that you don't really look at the term like 
you know, like for instance, I, I was I, I was shopping and living in a very sustainable way without before even knowing that this was a whole movement, that this was a way of of, of being and a way of purchasing and producing. Um, so the fact that it is being uh, repackaged and sold to us, um, I think this it's important for us to, to have discernment um, because this happens all the time. It happens with our culture, with our clothes, oh. with our folklore, with our art, with our food. It gets repackaged and sold as a superfood or it gets repackaged and sold as this like really cool uh, spiritual thing when right. actually, you know, this is just this is who you are grown up with and what you who we are so i think at this point in time um that a lot of people are aware that you know if you take the moment to just think of what is what is this brand trying to tell me what is this brand trying to sell me you'll realize that it's not really true uh you'll realize that it's just a marketing scheme and um i have to admit that in different areas of our continent are the markets are very vastly different so I'm sure in South mm. Africa that the selling of sustainable products is huge. And a lot of people are falling for the greenwashing, actually, because it's not really these products are not made sustainably. They're they're just this is just marketing La- labeled green. Yeah, exactly. It's purelized. And if you just look at the labels or if you just do a little Google search, you'll know that it's not true. But for instance, if we're going to talk about the the like North Africa, for we can talk about Egypt. Egypt ha- is an emerging market. And it's mm-hmm. been around for a while and, and they do a lot of local production and everything. Um, and people are not falling for it as much because there there's there's a lot of like local made. Like the sustainability is, is so is so obvious on a local level that when you have this European brand trying to sell something sustainable, it's like you can you can see it. It's like really? <laughs> yeah, it's like but I buy local and my cousin works in this factory that make that weaves this cotton for this jersey that I'm wearing, you know? So yeah. um it 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 requires a certain level of um of just being aware and being conscious of how you shop and how you consume things. Yes, they are trying to enter the African market, but they also cannot easily do that because the African market is quite poor. And when you're trying to sell these um and that's that's just how it is. That's just a fact because economically, Africa is a lot is is a lot worse off because of what colonization has done to us and right. neocolonization is doing to us. So uh, when you notice that these brands are trying to sell in Africa, they won't be able to. Especially, I'm talking about bigger brands that are they are trying to pretend that they are um, being sustainable or making sustainable products or doing things for the for the earth and not for profit. Um, uh, the price tag is not affordable. Not for us. The yeah. price tag is not realistic. When at the same time, you as an African, you can buy from a locally made, um, a local brand, or you know someone who knows someone who who makes something by hand, and um, that is sustainable. And you would rather invest in that person because you know how hard it is for them to get the material, or you just love the craftsmanship, or you just want to wear something that's home to you. So as much as they're trying to, you know package sustainability and and sell it to us i don't think they will be able to succeed as much um and uh they may succeed in other markets um such as you know asia for instance especially the gulf region where consumerism is at its all-time high but i don't think they will be successful in africa and and yeah socioeconomically it doesn't make sense and also realistically it's 
it's I guess who we are to to, to support yeah. these. And I suppose this is why this is why I toil with with the concept um, because you know you live in the West. You South Africa itself is very much Western influenced, and so you can get sustainability broadly. But I think when we really delve down into it, and this is this is what I want us to unpack here to say. Really, though, because I think it, it, it really just does feel like a business model, <laughs> another business model um, to something that we've to something that is so natural to us as Africans. Um, how would how wh- how do you think we need to reimagine sustainability in this African context in a way that's more resonant and authentic? I think it's important to uh to do research. So we started the research level. We start to understand how clothes were made back then um, and how we took care of our clothes and how we washed our clothes and how we transformed them from, you know, one garment to the next. I think it's important to to do that because there's a lot of data that we need to have and it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of archival work that needs to, to, to be found and to be taken care of and, and we need historians. We need people that are actually invested in, in culture and folklore to focus in fashion because it's very rare that you find fashion researchers in, in our continent. Um, there are present, but there are not as many as we need them to be because there's 54 countries and each country there's like many, many different tribes and many different ways yeah. of making uh, garments and things. So if we started the research level, we're able to look at our history, preserve whatever is left of it because a lot of it did get lost for whatever reason. And um, and I I'm, I'm, I I will be bringing this up quite a bit because, for instance, I'm from Sudan right now, and our country is completely lost. So our history is completely lost because of the war. The war yeah. So these are things that I think I really hope that yeah I hope that a lot of African countries are and Congo as well is, is suffering the same thing. So I hope that other countries can um, African countries can really look into um, having this data, this research, this archive, and then from there we'll see okay what worked, what doesn't work. What materials do we have locally available to us? What are natural resources that are just, you know, all over our land? How can we use these to make long-lasting products to sell them at um, a decent rate, uh, a reasonable rate for the market? Because if you really truly want to be a sustainable brand, you not you don't need to just only make things be- from from what's naturally available. You also need to make things for the the vast majority of the country and that includes mm. you know training people hiring people uh, like trying to get them help them make uh make ends meet give them jobs but you're also supplying uh, the same group of people the same demographic and what's not with these clothes so it's a whole cycle and it requires a lot of investment and there there has to be this openness yeah. to to invest in, in the community and in the culture because that's how a country evolves and that's how it grows so this is why for me, sustainable fashion isn't just like it's fashion. No, for me, it's 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 important. It's community. And there's a lot of um, identity within it. And so that's how I think that African fashion brands can grow and evolve. If they if they look at what is missing and if mm-hmm. they from from the market and they also look at what is available and how can they bridge these two together, then um, if if you want to 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 seek profit, you'll definitely seek profit if you're providing your products to the largest um, societal groups. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that it, it takes a lot of reflection and it has to come from the human before 
the entrepreneur before the entrepreneur. and i mean with that uh, i'm i'm, I'm it, it's also giving me a very strong sense that it's regionalized right because mm-hmm. as you're saying africa is very vast it's very internally diverse it's very um it's 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 broad you know um the spectrum of it we one could never fully cover the region um mm-hmm. or the continent and therefore there is a responsibility that creators and artists and craftsmen craftsmen locally in each sort of cultural center should be able to 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 mine and to discover and to research what is happening in those different in their own regions because then it's easier to meet as researchers to draw context and learnings and comparison and differences um and the diversity and the beauty uh, just collaborating on the answer together i think um I, i mean you 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 spoke about there's this concept sustainability is often mentioned alongside circular the circular economy what is the circular economy circular economy is essentially consider a circle where it starts and begins it continues so it's like a cycle uh, when we talk about circular economy we're talking about from the first step of let's say producing a product um and i'm gonna link it to circular fashion if that's okay absolutely um, so let's say you have cotton that's your raw material it's vastly available you use that exact same cotton to make to 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 make fabric and from this fabric you make clothes and then these these clothes are then transformed or recycled after they've reached a certain point of wear Uh, wear and tear and then they're recycled and then the end of the day you have some fibers and then these exact same fibers you plant them into the ground again so you can have cotton again or you compost okay. them so they're used into something else or um th- these fibers they're transformed into a whole other product so what happens is the same cotton that you that you harvested from this land it goes back into the land again okay. and it's just never ending you you it has many lifetimes So circularity within fashion is is very important because you you imagine the 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 raw material in so many different ways in so many different forms and so that kind of makes it like more fluid and the more we do that the less we are consuming um the less we are uh, exhausting the land the less we are um you know like the, like the less we're causing harm essentially and and it has a lot to do with the environment Also um circular fashion equals more jobs and that's very important okay. because you have the person the farmer you've got the person that does the 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 initial production the cleaning the coloring the 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 weaving the sewing cutting everything wearing because you're also a part of it as a consumer you're a part of circular fashion yeah and then after and you pay so when you buy something you're paying for these people's wages you're you're helping with their life Yeah, and then you know you're giving them opportunity to do better to provide food in the table all these things and then as a consumer when you're done with it if it doesn't fit you anymore you pass it down this is also within circularity you pass it down to uh your your kids your or whomever um you donate it to someone in your community that actually needs it or you can change it you take it to a seamstress or a tailor and you change it into something else you upcycle ah. it you recycle it uh into a rag even you recycle it into a rag and it stays in the family for many many years and, <laughs> and it's still you know a fragment of that piece of for instance that i'm talking about cotton yeah that initial that cotton plant. that plant. yes and then when when it's when its life stages have ended you can compost it you can plant it back 
You can use it within your fertilizer. Um, you can use it to make uh, little trinkets, stuffing for for a, a doll, for someone you care about. There's so many ways to reimagine things and repurpose things. And every reword, like recycle, repurpose, reimagine, all these, these are within circularity. So it's a never-ending cycle. And okay. every person is involved in that. Uh, it's just knowing how to get into it or like what part you have to play. In the loop, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. You know, there's, I imagine, and even even our audiences, I'm sure as they're listening or watching, yes. will say, oh, okay, because integral to who how we live our lives in the spirit of community alone, you know, your mm -hmm. clothes, um, well, as a consumer, you meet, you meet your clothes for the first time when you're buying them at the shop. But that, mm -hmm. that is able to be passed down from generation to generation. It can be, value can be added to it depending on what it is, if it's jewelry or whatever it is um, in the family that if, can become an heirloom. So I think this concept of circularity is also something that I'm discovering as we're speaking has always existed. <laughs> you know, it has yep. always existed. Um, yeah. Very interesting because even with clothes, like even if you're handing down, and I mean, is it then, because I'm not sure, and I, the connection we're making here, or we, the, the, we, the point at which we're meeting here is around you speaking about fashion and, and sustainability and me from a luxury perspective and really, you know, tethering this conversation within the African context. I'm really keen to understand, I mean, when we talk about and I'm a marketer as well. So when we talk about the story, where is Africa tracking when it comes to secularity? Have we audited ourselves perhaps to say, you know, is there a metric? Um, how, how are global conglomerates in fashion or luxury measuring themselves? I'm sure they've got goals of how circular they're becoming or how, what does that look like beyond fashion? In beauty, perhaps? Um, is the secularity there? Um, I know from a sustainability point of view, there's case studies that I've read around um, alternative use of materials, um, mm -hmm. considering, you know, an alternative to leathers or denims, which ends up obviously is not able to disintegrate or not able to go back into the earth as easily. From a beauty perspective, they're looking at packaging. You know, some of some of the, the the innovations for the big brands are around packaging or raw material raw materials that are going into the products. I've asked a lot of questions, but maybe just to break it up, the in, the first one was around as Africa, how are we tracking by whoever the powers that be who are defining but or owning circular fashion, and I, I and how and and how we're aligning ourselves because there are the sustainable development goals that well, we are tracking. Mm -hmm. um, towards and the second part of the question is what is happening you know in other industries um, that are feeding into sustainability whether it be beauty or fashion or well beyond fashion because I think we've spoken about fashion quite a bit so in terms of like from an African context it's it's based on like company by company there's uh, and I'm not able to find like um um, an association or um, an organization or whatnot that's tracking these uh, metrics of sustainability or sustainable development goals is usually a brand or a brand. So some brands uh, actually started, and I'm not just talking about fashion, I'm talking about everything like you mentioned. Mm. Um, they, they have specific SDGs that they pick 
that they are able to sustain, that they're able to actually um, aim towards and achieve goals in them. So whether it can it can be you know um, uh, not utilizing uh, like not harming a lot of water resources or um, you know creating um, like reducing the gender gap and there's there's many SDGs to choose from. So what they do is they they pick what they can work on. They they have this niche and then they keep going on it. Like they focus on it. Um, and it's by company by company. Um, however, like if you look at the globe from a global context, there's papers like um, the Transparency Index that Flash Revolution has created. And um, I think hopefully the African countries, we can all come together and um, have our very publish our very own transparency index for our African brands because South America just um, continues to release every year. And the concept of the transparency index is that it rates the biggest brands in each country in the region, in the continent, for instance, and it showcases, okay, how sustainable are they? How good are they in terms of like labor laws? How good are they in terms of like material and, and all the, like, how fair are they really yeah, um, yeah. to the planet, to the, to the people and everything? So um, we hopefully they, we can like come together and, and really um have specific policies and goals together it's also not very easy for us because every country has its own political issues mm -hmm. so to create policy you have to enter government and to enter government that is a big hassle generally speaking in the continent i know it differs from one country to the next there are some countries that are very like supporting uh of sustainable development and sustainable products and brands like for one for instance and they're investing in young designers they're investing in in young entrepreneurs um and and they truly want the whole made locally thing to 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 be what uh, uplifts the the nation and its trade and its import and export and whatnot. So, um, to answer you simply, there's no organization or there's okay. no like um, institution one spot that you go to to figure out yeah institution to figure out what brands are sustainable. But what you can do because there's not that many very well known African brands. There's a handful whether they're Nigerian or South African or Ghanaian um, or Zimbabwean even or Kenyan. Mm -hmm. um, and these names, these are people that have worked very, very hard to get their name um, regionally and also globally. And what they do is through their work, they highlight how good they're trying to be or the efforts that they're trying to make uh, to be su considered sustainable under like the full umbrella term. Globally, yes, you do see a lot of... Um, like, again, the, the Fashion um, Transparency Index by Fashion Revolution um, reveals a lot about the bigger brands, the luxury houses, and also fast fashion brands, household names, essentially. They they show you everything there is about um, their production, their their marketing strategy, their PR, all of that. Um, the com uh, Their factories that they work with in Southeast Asia and Africa and South America. So this really reveals, and it's, and it's available to everyone, it's available online and it, it doesn't use a lot of jargon. It's it's good for you to know what you're putting money into as a consumer. And if you want to invest in these companies, you will know uh, whether or not they align with you ethically. Um, and also from, an, from a business uh, standpoint as well. So what we do need to do is hopefully create, for Africa specifically, create this like institution or at least for Fashion Revolution. For instance, I'm, I'm the country coordinator for Fashion Revolution in Sudan. Mm -hmm. And since I'm based now in Egypt, I'm a project manager for them. And so uh, the African uh, Fashion Revolution uh, teams 
we do meet and, and we discuss these things and we're hoping to like, you know, collectively make some kind of change, um, have a database, essentially. Like yeah. I said before, we need to hit, gather our history, gather our data. Yes. Without data, you cannot um, um, make change. Yeah. So we're trying to do these efforts locally and then we come together um, as, you know, content, the, part of the continent's groups and um, to, to see how we can um, even just influence brands and influence people to to just understand what sustainability is to advocate for it and also to to invest in it because you can invest in sustainable brands and in terms of beauty uh from my um humble um experience um like sudanese brands especially sudanese kenyan ugandan ethiopian brands these are the brands are mostly um like around when it comes to beauty yes okay. packaging is very tough for us because a lot of the packaging uh, comes from china and right. it's the most affordable and a lot of these brands are small brands but what they do is in their products in their process their process is slow production uh, their products are made from completely natural um uh, ingredients so that that is also considered sustainable because you're using from the earth and you're not harming the the person's skin you're not making, you're not producing in mass. It's just small batches. So while you can, they can't like get the the the, the Western um, or the also the Western and the Asian um, packaging um, production because it's quite expensive to make package like to make packaging in scratch, in the continent yeah. in general. Yeah, um, what they do is they make do in the actual product. So, okay, so uh, there's ways around it. Yeah. So sustainability doesn't mean the whole thing. I mean, it's it's because it's and it, this is important for listeners or people considering mm -hmm. how to turn aspects of their businesses. At the, uh, can mm -hmm. we agree that it's important for them to start? So, for example, as yes. you're saying, start with even if it's the content of the product, or start with the material, or start with how you're producing. And then yeah. does that warrant somebody being able to claim then that they're, that they are sustainable? So, yes, um, you have to start somewhere. I, I, I will agree with you on that. You have to choose what is most uh, feasible if you're already a business that began, like you started your production and now you're under, you're learning about sustainability and you're like, OK, I want to fix it. So look at what is available to you. How can you fix it or how can you uh, do like that sustainable effort? Now, the thing is, let's say, um, because there's many, many terms for it. If you choose to to work with local products or like with local raw materials, then that makes you like more eco. So you have you can't just say I'm a sustainable brand and that's it, especially in this day and age. People are going to ask you, what do you what does that mean to you? Yeah. So if you are uh, sourcing uh, from uh, local farms or you're sourcing from yeah, local producers, and you're doing so ethically where you pay them decent wages or you pay them for uh, like decent pricing for what they get or higher than the market value, then you'll be like, okay, um, I'm an ethical brand. Um, if you don't, uh, if you use natural dyes, then you are also considered an eco-friendly brand. So it just kind of depends. Uh, if you produce small batches, then you can be a slow fashion brand. And these are all within sustainability. Okay. Um, if you do good by your by your team, by your producers, by your manufacturers, then you can be considered like a labor, labor, fair, fair wage or fair labor brand. So 
look at what you have going on. And this is especially for brands or companies that have already started. Um, how can you do better? What can you cut back from? What can who can you hire? Um, how can you like? Are you able to pay better? Are you able to to focus on a more local end? It just kind of depends what is feasible for you because mm -hmm. sustainability is not meant to be this impossible thing. And the West is trying to make it as such. It but really no, sounds it's like it. Be, <laughs> yeah, it's it's baby steps. It's it's what's natural, what's easy for you to achieve. And over time, as you evolve and as you change and as you become more sustainable, then you're able to make more effort and you're able to change more and you're still able to make money at the end of the day because we're speaking to businesses here. For yeah. people who want to start, the people who want to start, you have the leverage actually to learn from the mistakes of other already existing businesses or your potential competition. Um, you have to look at what is where is my niche you need to stand out if you're going to be a sustainable brand you have to stand out somehow so look at what is not available in the market that you are focusing on in the demographic that you want to sell to that you want to market to what is available what's not available how can i make it better how can i make it more um earth friendly human friendly um while still being able to make a profit out of it yeah okay. so it's just about finding that balance yeah it's because it's really felt like there's there's a certain accolade or because even for me, I mean, it's intimidating. And that's why I thought we have to have this conversation, because as you're saying, the West has made it feel like this commercial model monster that oh. only they understand. And that's why I was like, maybe let's decode it. Maybe let's break it down. But I'm very comfortable hearing that we can start. I'm very comfortable yeah. hearing that you don't have to throw your business out and become purely a sustainable business. There are aspects of it that become business that be, that be, can become sustainable and you then claim to be a sustainable business. Um, and I mean, in the, in the age of social media and fast paced culture, because there's a term that you've spoken about, which is slow fashion. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, is sustainability tangible in the age of social media? Yes, it is. Definitely. We choose the kind of content that we see. Um, and you actually do. It's not the algorithm. You actually have the choice to 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 watch certain things, to be affected by certain things, to be moved by certain things. So when we have that control, um, that means that you get to control what you see. So social media, there's a lot of influencers. There's a lot of uh, marketing. It's basically advertising at this point, unfortunately. It has evolved a lot in the past five years. It kind of it used to be more fun to be on social media, yes, and to, to consume this content. But right now, it's mostly advertising. So it's just waking up to realize that everybody or most of the content creators and these brands are just trying to sell. They're trying to sell as much as they can. It's all about volume. It's not about the experience. It's not about quality. It's not about the story behind the garment or the brand or whatever it is that they want you to buy from them. So when you break it down to this, it doesn't sound that appealing anymore. And you see right through it. You can, you have mm -hmm. every right to be inspired by, by influencers. A lot of the whole concept of influencers, when they used to be bloggers, they started as to give you inspiration, to, to help you find ways to dress how you like within your budget. But obviously things have changed because we're in a super hyper society. Um, yeah. Um, and that's the aim of the West. And just to, to, to follow up on the point you made, the reason why they're complicating the idea of sustainability is because now they know how to profit from it. So they want to 
make it as like out of reach as possible. Yeah. Yes. So, so that they can get your money. They just want your money. It's really, it's not, it's not personal. They just want your money. They're and in business that, after all. Exactly. But the way we see sustainability from an African context is that no, it's about community. Yes, you will. Yes, when I, I, I purchase from an African brand, I am giving you my money, but actually I'm investing in you. I'm pushing you forward. I'm being your cheerleader. And I'm also spread, helping spread the word about what you're doing. And uh, it's it's just about, it's still about community and everyone's happy. Um, so when we go back to social media, um, you have to control the content that you choose and you have to be more awake and more aware. And I think with everything that's happening, especially this year, I feel like a lot of people are waking up with like to see like the truth behind the content that they see. And a lot yeah. of it is empty and it's just to sell. So um, don't be as affected by social media. Use it for good. There's a lot of people who are working hard to spread the word on advocacy, specific, specifically from a sustainable point of view. There's a lot of amazing African brands that you can search. And sometimes all you have to do is just write sustainable Africa or eco Africa or something. And all these brands will show up. Okay. And um, support them as much as you can. Yeah. Um, I think on that point then, I mean, at its nature, fashion is fast and cyclical. Um, therefore, how do we advocate for the change to make it more sustainable? Because there is a differentiation between fashion as fashion in the mainstream sense and sustainable fashion. Um, yeah, how, how, are we, how are we daring? Or what are some of the things that um, African brands can can do um, to contribute or how are they contributing because you work with some of them how are they contributing to the conversation about sustainability both mm -hmm. regionally and globally yeah so the African brands that I work with or the ones that I actually like looking to and research and I'm very fond of the work that they're doing um, they don't follow the mainstream trend aspect or trend forecasting that happens they know their niche, whether it's um, the materials they use, the products they make, the, the people that they want to sell to. They know exactly who their niche is, or at least they're learning. Um, and they're, they're creating these products and they're selling them to whoever is interested in these products. They're not making things that are, you know, for within the trends that the luxury market in the West portrays to us. They're not focusing on the, the color palettes or the... Um, like the, the materials, the textures, the patterns that the West is, is pushing out there. And yes, it would be smart if they were to do that. But again, the clothes won't have meaning. They, they, they will only be worn once and thrown away. Mm -hmm. They won't be as, um, as respected because you should respect whatever you put on your body if you respect your body. You know, it, you I, I, I do think it's more <laughs> you, you respect yourself. Exactly. You should care about what is on your body. Um, and how you get it and how it's made. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm actually quite fond of them because they're paving their own way. So you see some African brands, they use specific um, materials only, or they use specific color palettes, or they make specific clothes for a specific region. Um, and I think that's very, or for a specific season even. And I think that is very smart because not only does it make you niche, but it also shows that you're standing on your ground and that you're choosing to promote something that's long lasting. Yeah, they're selling quality. They're not selling quantity. Fast fashion brands are just copying whatever comes in from the the, the global uh, luxury market, and they're selling it to you in, with like yeah in pennies. 
and it it disintegrates on your body like it doesn't last so I also say this from a styling point of view I always encourage people to um, find your individual style and try to like experiment as much as you can but while you do that do not fall for the trend trap because eight 2000 style is back again. The Y2K the style is back trap. again. trap. Give it a, a couple of years. The 80s will be back. The 70s will be back. The 20s will be back. You know, the, the silhouettes are constantly being recycled and sold to us like it's something new, new. or something <laughs> modern. When actually, if you know what your personal style is, then you'll know what brand to shop from. And um, you'll just completely ignore all of this is marketing. You'll just figure it out that it's just marketing. We're coming for the marketers today, and I'm one of them. Yeah, <laughs> but I, but I'm I one of them too. Funny <laughs> but I have, I have, I think as I've matured in my career, I have really become a lot more deliberate, even with the clients that I'm yeah. working with, to say yeah. what is the impact that we're making. So, particularly, what is it that you find um, is different about the millennials and their stronger attraction to sustainability? Um, or consciousness or ethical living because they are basically riotous when it comes to, you know, they're the same people that a lot of the fast fashion brands are targeting, but there is a cohort that is breaking off from that um, with a very clear stance towards a more sustainable lifestyle, even at the foundations of, uh, even now as they, they enter in consumption. Mm-hmm. Um. Sorry, it's cut off a bit. You said Gen Z, right? Yeah, yeah. Gen Z are my absolute favorite generation. And um, it's natural. I I feel like if you look at Gen X and then you look at millennials and then you look at... It's just a natural progression. So Gen Z are considered like the most important target group right now uh, because they're ready to deny or they're ready to say no. They're so vocal about um, everything they're seeing because... They've, like as as a millennial, I've seen, I've, I'm kind of seeing the exposure of, of how the industry works, of how um, mass manufacturing is bad and all these things. But Gen Z grew, literally grew up on it. And they, they want to do wait. something about it. <laughs> exactly. They want to do change because they don't like the fact that, oh, for instance, millennials just woke up, but they actually want to be the action uh, takers. And they're very bold because look at the look at what they're entering. They're entering a very tough market that are they they're becoming adults at a very tough time in history. Um, globally, I'm talking socially, economically, politically. It's it's a lot that they have to go through. So I feel for them, but I'm also very proud of them because they are the ones who are ready to expose brands instantly. Quickly. They, um, <laughs> yes, they have a lot of influence. When you see someone in their early twenties, um, late teens. Uh, they will immediately go to social media and be like, don't buy from this. They do that. They expose everything because they actually want to save whatever is left of our planet. And that's actually the gist of it. They want to have some kind of future because they're looking at a world that's diminishing on them and they're not really able to seek these dreams and, and you know have these careers and have these lifestyles that they want because of how tough things are for them. And that's why I feel for them, but I'm actually very proud of them. And I try my best mm. to like work with them, whether it's training or, or doing workshops or advising, um, because I know they have what it takes. I'll just tell them, listen, this is what's going on. Go ahead and, and do the, like try to steer them in some kind of direction. Mm. I don't think they, they me actually, but because they're doing so great by themselves. But essentially what they're trying to do is to save a little bit of earth for them. 
that's what it comes down to. That's the gist of it. So uh, they realize that if they just sit back and they complain, it's nothing's going to move. Um, right. And it's just going to get worse. So that's why they're fighting. Um, and that's why luxury brands um, and fashion brands generally try to sell to them because they feel like if they get on their good side, they'll have a bigger market share, essentially. Yeah. I mean, uh, but it's not working that They've got a voice and they're willing to use it. So definitely something to be to be proud of. And I, I they they are just they're quite bold. <laughs> they're good for marketing as well if you if you get on their good side. Their good sides, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um what are some of the what are some of the, 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 the brands that you either consume or know? Because I think it would be amiss for us not to mention them here for somebody who is looking to pivot their consumption or their purchase or investment in certain brands, whether it be Western or just mm-hmm. local and irresponsible. What are some of the brands that you're enjoying at the moment mm-hmm. who are doing just compelling work in implementing some of these sustainability strategies? All right, I'll mention a couple of brands that I've actually also like used. So let's start with Egypt. There's a brand called Upfuse. Um, what they do is they recycle plastic bottles to make bags and, and, and shoes, and now they make clothes from it as well. Cute. Absolutely love what they're doing because there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of plastic waste in Egypt. There's a huge population and um, there's a lot of trash. So the fact that they're using these plastic bags and plastic bottles from recycling units and and uh, helping out um, or giving jobs to like people in these local um, areas uh, is wonderful. So that's one. Another, um, there's two Sudanese brands, uh, Peter and Black. Um, it's a leather, it's a handmade leather band. And they're based now in Kenya. And so everything is made by hand. Like the, the designer actually, wow. she's everything, everything is by hand. And I believe that when uh, they were in Sudan, they were based in Sudan, they would get leather also from specific regions. So they were helping uh, smaller factories as well, uh, leather factories and uh, tanneries. Um, who else? Uh, there's a couple of Kenyan brands as well. The thing is, if I'm perfectly honest, I had these brand names memorized because this was actively my work for the past like three, four years. But honestly, like as someone who is trying to rebuild a wardrobe because of displacement, it's very tough to to be in in the in like in tune with the with the whole industry right now. And I, I choose to I choose to do honesty because I can I can talk about, you know, um uh, the uh, Yes, I don't want to butcher the name. Um, <laughs> and I can talk about um, um, orange culture. I can talk about the, the emerging, amazing emerging brands from East, South and, and West Africa. But to be honest, it's very hard to, to keep up when you have all these like situations happening around the yeah. continent itself. But yeah, yeah. I, I just had to put that there because I think a lot of us forget that even though these are clothes and these are brands and there's still people yeah and i hope that makes sense yeah but um yes i i used to follow uh, a lot and because of like being a displaced person at this point it's kind of trying to still link back and still help even the sudanese brands that had to move uh to egypt now but yes to add another brand is also nusi it's a sudanese brand um currently defunct but trying to get back and they make amazing clothes for both men and women and it's made sustainably it's made uh from um, naturally grown cotton and things like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, I really, I, I really 
am sorry um, because because of the, the, the you know, you've, you're sharing now that you're displaced because of what's happening with the war and um, in Sudan. And I, I do hope that as you rebuild, um, you, you draw from just the earth itself. Um, then- because there's also so much beauty, you know, like I always say, even after a storm, what you yeah. have left is what you can use to rebuild. Um, and yeah. I really wish that as a country, as a community, and as a people, you you do, it, it, at least the community itself is able to salvage the spirit um, of, 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 of what even you've lost physically or tangibly. But mm-hmm. from that, you're able to draw some strength to really build yourselves back up into a, a people that you are becoming, not that you are, you're no longer a people, but a people that you're becoming. Because that it, it, depending on how you look at it, it is yeah. an invitation to rebuild. And I, I'm, I'm always very, in, <clears throat> excuse me, intrigued by the process of rebuilding, and I hope you embrace it fully, both for yourself, yep. your family, um, with your parents, your community, siblings, and just business and the, all these designers that I think will you know, draw strength from this process um, to to rebuild themselves up into something really compelling, because there's nothing more beautiful than a story. Definitely, yes. And I do hope that's the same as well. I just had to put that in there because when when we're talking about clothing, a lot of people forget that this is a huge part of who we are. It's not just like shopping. Yeah. It's not a frivolous thing. And when you talk about luxury, a lot of people assume it's, you know, for a specific class. When no, it's it's everyone deserves to 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 feel luxurious or to to in, to be a part of like the full human experience. So I just had to mention that in there and hope that's all right. Oh, absolutely. We receive that. Um, and lastly, what is your ultimate luxury? Ah, very nice. My ultimate luxury is having an, a day off and just walking into secondhand markets wherever I am in the continent. Just like in, like seeing this the sea of clothes and seeing the traders um, excited to sell to whomever and uh, just hearing their stories like this is what i used to do for a, a long period of time actually i would just go wherever country i am in, in the in the continent i would discover these markets and i would just spend a full day there and take like take pictures and try to like um write about it and and just for me that's that's luxury i i, I know it sounds a little wild because secondhand markets are usually very crowded but if you go early in the day you know you're fine um there's a lot of noise and mess but there's also in that chaos there's a lot of organization as well mm. so that's what i like and i'm i'm known in my circles to be you know the 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 second home market uh, tour guide and <laughs> I, I enjoy that quite a bit and uh, it's just interesting to know how um these clothes enter our borders and how right. these you know sell them it's just for me that's luxury yeah honestly if, that- if i'm not sleeping there's this <laughs> that's beautiful because I mean there's pieces that I'm very proud of that I've picked up at secondhand markets and right? um I wore I wore one just the other day actually for an interview um yes. and and also just the beauty I think of possibility to rehome or re whatever clothes jewelry what? furniture because the secondhand market is so broad and we and, and as Africa, we really have a, a thriving economy of secondhand 
um, which is sustainability in itself, right? Yeah. It has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I will add in the show notes all the beautiful brands that you've mentioned. I think, um, you know, people would want to pick those up. And mm-hmm. um, and even some secondhand markets that you love, uh, links that you want to direct us to, I'll definitely add those to the show notes. But it has been yeah, an absolute well. pleasure connecting with you today. Um, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I'm very appreciative of this opportunity. And God bless the work that you're doing and um, may every opportunity continue to open up to create more platforms for more people to gain access um, to both the information and the data and the resources, um, financial or otherwise, that you need to really perpetuate this very beautiful piece of work and the research. Um, Because certainly when, 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 you know, even, you know, there's something so beautiful that you, you kept mentioning when you were speaking about consumption, you said investing in. Um, no. People don't realize that they're investing um, every time they That's purchase true. something. People don't realize that they invest. I didn't. I certainly didn't look at it um, that way myself. Um, it's just something maybe that I've coveted that I've finally acquired. But it. But the. But the price of some of these things that you pay, however small or big, is an investment big. all the same. Um, so yeah, I think I have benefited greatly and I hope my listeners and my viewers, um, will just, will eat this episode up, um, and, and, and really transform or begin to adopt a very ethical, conscious or sustainable life. I hope so too. Uh, Mm -hmm. And thank you again. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity and, uh, let's build together. Let's, uh, let's make better choices and consume better better. choices. It's a little bit we can do. I really think. Yes. Let's make this conversation trend because this is exactly. the, this is what sustains us as people and as a continent. Thank you, Adil. Enjoy the rest of the cold winter. Yeah, that's what you will. <laughs>